Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable with me, Sean Phelan. This week it's my immense pleasure to chat to Rugby Coach Weekly's Dan Cottrell on all things coaching through the pandemic, as well as some great rugby chat. But first, we have a new sponsor here at the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable, the Swan Rooms, which is based at the Reeves, the home of Staines RFC. The Swan Rooms are two unique event spaces with fully licensed bars, a large outdoor area for any occasion or corporate function. If you'd like to know more and to get in contact, please use the email address bookings at stainsrugby.com or follow their Instagram at roomswan and we thank them for supporting our show. Now, let's get to my chat with Rugby Coach Weekly's Dan Cottrell. Hi everyone, uh, welcome to another week of the Philly Brutes Rugby Roundtable and it's an absolute pleasure to be joined by the one and only Dan Cottrell. How are you Dan? I'm very well, thank you for the invite Sean. <laughs> no, thank you for, for taking up taking it up. Um, if you're like me, I'm a massive rugby nose and have been getting rugby world for forever and uh, signed up on, you know, without any sort of wanting to be a coach to Rugby Coach Weekly about 15 years ago and every day you've been getting emails from this guy. So it's an absolute pleasure to actually get to get to chat rugby with you. Well, if you're chatting, it means probably I'm not uh, developing another email to send out to you. So uh, <laughs> I, I do get to notice that, oh, you're the guy who sends out all the emails. So, uh, yes, we do send out a few emails. Not as many as we used to. Uh, so, uh, But apologies for people who find their inboxes are uh, full of my... Oh, I never apologise. Never apologise. So how has the last sort of 12 months been for you? Well, I think like everybody else, I think it's been um, interesting, challenging. Um it has been a chance for us to reflect on what we do and how we put things together in terms of Rugby Coach Weekly. And that has been, in many ways, very useful time because we've been able to develop some different products, different ways to engage with coaches. And coaches uh, generally are, have been responding very well uh, because I think a lot of people recognize the uh, importance of sport and more importantly, the importance of connections and um, perhaps something we'll talk about as we go along. But uh, those connections have been very difficult to maintain in, in the best way. Um, and we're, we're virtual now. But I expect that a lot of people have uh, really enjoyed the last couple of weeks when they've been out uh, and about just in, in life, uh, let alone on a rugby field, and just being themselves and not feeling that they've got um, to be something that they're not. And... Uh, I think you're a lot more forgiving when you're in front of somebody uh, because you can see the nuances and the uh, the changes in attitude very, very quickly and you can read those ideas. So in, in those terms, um, we've we've had some exciting things happen in Rugby Coach Weekly. Um, we've just launched the, well, it sounds like a sales pitch now, but um, apologies for that. Uh, we just launched, relaunched uh, the weekly magazine again which we stopped a couple of years ago, uh, but we're keen to put that back out there. And that's that's going to be fun because uh, we've got some very interesting coaches we're talking to. Um, 
and but the, I mean the big the big thing really is not that more that we've at long last um, put our rugby coaching hats into the women's rugby coaching ring properly. Uh, we have had quite a lot of content content and content on there, but now we've got a, a monthly magazine, um, and Jess Bunyard is our editor, and she's doing a brilliant job. Um, She's very excited about everything, which is fantastic. But she's been talking to some really uh, great coaches just about women's rugby, and I, I think that that's been um, that's also been exciting. So, I mean, inevitably, lots of challenges for lots of people, and not everything has been uh, a bed of roses inevitably in a pandemic. But also, uh, we're quite positive about some of the things which have been happening for us. Uh, how much for uh, the sort of the the roadmaps and the lockdowns changing sort of constantly how much adaption have you had to do to to various things that you're putting out or or sort of it, it how has that been affected by the various lockdowns and roadmaps and all that i think it has changed um initially we we just did as we did uh, and uh, people came back to us as well. We're not actually training. And I'm, I mean, that sounds obvious, but it does. Um, and we're not we're not necessarily a super tanker, which takes a long time to turn. Um, but we we changed um, our output into uh, very start off with a lot more about uh, coaching practice. Uh, we launched some coaching classrooms so people could actually um, zoom with their teams. So that's the first thing we did. And then as the roadmaps came out, we tried to adapt. Um, well, we, once we tried to, we just went out to coaches and say, what are you doing or how are you approaching this? And we we put together various small-sided games, small-sided exercises. Um, I mean, I think the most important thing is that uh, every coach faces individual challenges. I mean, it's very easy to generalize and come up with ideas which would work for a very... Um, well organized and keen enthusiastic team but not everybody faces that we were talking to coaches saying i've got a, a team of 18 here and six of them are on zoom every friday with me and we are coming up with the most amazing stuff uh six sometimes there and six are just not there for a variety of reasons and that's been a massive challenge for coaches i mean generally it's a challenge for grassroots coaches to um, adapt to their their group but here it was in a in much greater relief. So we've we've adapted what we've done, and we've tried to match what we think coaches have wanted, um, but also tried to help coaches see a, see a way through. And uh, it's very much about listening and adapting ourselves and understanding that. Um, it, well, one of the main things that uh, all the dangers that can come across is that. Uh, it's Dan Cottrell writing for Rugby Coach Weekly, and I, I'm very keen not to be that. I want to. I've got views on lots of things, uh, but actually, there's far more than one way to do it, and we've tried to reflect that this year in, particularly this year in what we're doing, trying to gather ideas that may not be the ones that we would choose. So somebody might say. Well, you need to have more games on there or you need to have more drills on there and we could go into a great debate about that. Well, let, let's just put some stuff out there and you've got to decide what works for you, what fits in with how you you want to coach and then maybe change as you want to go on. We don't want to uh, evangelize 
Um, well, the only evangelization we want to do is just get players onto the pitch. And I know this speaks very much to uh, your own your own feelings. And um, I very luckily did an interview this week with UK Coaching about this. And one of the, my messages is really if talk coaches, just be there. Don't worry too much about uh, whether you're, you're fully prepared. Because if you're not there then the players are not there. And if the players are not there, then that has an impact on other teams. And it, um, we don't want to have the sort of reverse domino effect of players not turning up, teams not then functioning, so other teams not functioning. We want to try and get there, do things, and um, be, be proactive. So in a, in a sense, we have changed. We've tried to keep, keep some principles, um, but hopefully now we're going to be back into what I hope is traditional rugby and... I think one of the, my own, if if I was to evangelise about anything, second evangelisation point would be <laughs> that don't don't think we need to adapt rugby. Rugby is already pretty good. I mean, it could change a little bit, but if we keep changing things, people lose the sense of what what they're doing there. Let's be creative about what we've got already, and then let the players and the coaches be creative around that structure rather than saying let's add in little bits and pieces. Inevitably, with COVID uh, rules in place, uh, we have to adapt to um, have safe rugby. What that looks like and whether that's exactly right, well, you know, we're not we're not going to tell. We're right in the middle of a pandemic and it's maybe going to take years before we know whether we did the right things or the wrong things. But let's try and move back to, well, whatever age group you're in, the, the 12 aside, the 15 aside game, without too much change to what what was the game because scrums malls lineouts um are just as much a part of the game as that um fancy flip offload and um <laughs> the all all those wonderful parts of the game too do you think from from everything that's been sort of that uh, everyone's been at home watching stuff on zoom and webinars and stuff are we going to get a better more knowledgeable group of amateurs uh, yeah i think we will i don't think there's any doubt that uh, it's it's created um, a great deal more reflection from coaches and a lot more access to great coaches. I mean, there's been some fantastic stuff out there. Uh, Eddie Jones, uh, someone said the day, Eddie Jones seems to be on a podcast every other day. Uh, but there have been uh, great stuff. Uh, the Magic Academy have been running something uh, pretty much every week, which has brought in some fantastic uh, influences and coaches. Uh, uh, the Loosehead um, podcast has also uh, done things, and I mean, obviously, we, we're in the, in that space as well. Um, the one of the great things that I feel we've been able to do is get a guy called Phil Llewellyn to do his Roundup Rodeo, which is he's got three, two to three coaches in who've just been reflecting on that and the learning. So I think there has been a great body of learning going on for a number of coaches. What would be really interesting to see is how many coaches that actually reached and how many have reflected on it. Probably those coaches would have been doing those things already or some of them. Um, so they've just, they've filled their, uh, they've filled their boots to, to <laughs> coin a phrase, um, which were already full. Um, and it's the coaches on the edges. Are they, have they been able to access this? When I say been able to, have they had the desire to and, I think if you've spent a day Zooming and online and then someone says, all oh, right, the club is putting something on in the evening, you might just be thinking, 
just had enough time of it. And then you get this. I mean, yeah. you, you, this is this is what a Zoom meeting can look like. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's my turn now. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, what was the point again? And there are there are dangers of that. So, it has been fantastic, um, and I think it's it's created some debates. I think it's also stirred a few pots which didn't need to be stirred, um, and created some angry uh, reflection on some positives, which has been a great pity. I think it's sad when In what way? people. Well, I think the. Um, um, there's been a certain amount of argument over um, the ecological dynamical approach to. Uh, I hope you don't want me to explain it. I can explain it, but not probably in the way that it, it should be explained. So that that has been a very, I think, a very interesting and uh, worthwhile uh, part of the game. But others have found that more difficult, and then uh, each side seems to want to battle over it. And I think that's a great pity because. There's definitely more than one way to skin this cat of uh, coaching. Am I allowed to say that? Is that catist? Um, (laughs) I I love cats, by the way. Some of my best friends are cats. (laughs) And the it's it'd been better if people were debating it to get a better understanding. And that's that's I mean, it's a bit like in, in rugby, really, you 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 break you break yourself a little bit to mend yourself better, and that's a better way of doing it. And I think some coaches on the periphery, and I think a number of coaches on the periphery, and I hope I'm part of it. And a number of coaches are saying, "Yeah, I've enjoyed that, uh, and I'm taking this to my next training session." But there are others who've become uh, very frustrated by it, and I think that's a great pity because coaching should be about positivity. Um, I think also the danger is that we keep trying to imagine ourselves as as the the, the coach in the last dance or uh, in all sorts of, all sorts of places, and we we forget that um, uh, often a good coach is not the one who uh, has the best players. Uh, he just he's done some other things. I mean, uh, uh, this could be controversial, and uh, apologies to Liverpool fans, but uh, is Jurgen Klopp uh, as good a coach as everyone's made out because he's He's a bit further down the table. I, that's that's the completely the wrong way to see it. I, there's no doubt he's a very fine coach. That he won a championship with players who the best players is is a different is different thing. So I think we try and imagine ourselves to be those people and measure ourselves against their successes, and that's and that's the wrong way. And one of the things I think has come out a lot from what people have said during lockdown is coaching is all about relationships. The fact that we're on a Zoom now um, is is powerful in one way, but it's not the same as that interaction that we might have when we we, we catch each other in what we has been termed as like the corridor meetings, where it, it, there's no formal conversation. It's that informal one as you meet and say, oh, how are you going? And then you just notice something, I just, I just meant to ask about this. or um, But of course, there those meetings are fantastic, but they're also dangerous. So, uh, for example, uh, this week, I sort of had a corridor conversation uh, with one of the players at uh, the local club I'm working at. And afterwards, I was thinking, I, 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 I almost gave him too much information. He's going to go away thinking, oh, I've just had that conversation. What does that mean to me? And that's not, that's just as dangerous. So you have to manage these things. I mean, it's wonderful to be back. And it's great because you get all the, but it's still hard work. You still have to be. You still have to think, reflect, know, pick your moments. 
The Lions are announcing their squad this coming week and Rugby Store have all the tour stash you need to support the Lions during the summer. Get 10% off your Lions gear when you visit rugbystore.co.uk and use the promo code FYBPOD at the checkout. And we thank them for supporting our show. So sort of this communication now that we're in a sort of human to human environment rather than human to Zoom, uh, how much is communication going to be really, really key? Well, I mean, in a sense, um, the the word communication is is so many different things um, and so, to different people that it's, it's always going to be key. But it's how you do it, when you do it, and what's behind it. Um, forgive my mispronunciation. Steve uh, Rolnick. Um, wrote a very good book um, or produced a very good book with his with his team about um, those sorts of conversations and interviews that you have, motivational ones. And within it, you can just hear the language that you need to use, but also pick your moments. Um, there's also a very good book um, by Stone and Heen or Sheen on uh, positive feedback. Um, and that's how you take feedback. So it's all very well for me to think that I've cracked communication, but the person on the other end of the communication has also got to have worked hard to listen to what I've said and why I've said it and know where I'm coming from. And yeah, I've got to help them, but they've got to help themselves. So um, we're all sensitive to certain parts, of, certain amounts of communication. And uh, it is that two-way process that everybody's got to get more involved in. But it, it, it will change. I feel that um, uh, the very fact that people can jump onto Zooms um, or some sort of electronic method of communication may reduce some of the meetings that we have. It may also create some. I'm sure that uh, people say, well, why am I having this Zoom meeting when all you need to do is send me an email and 10 people are in the room and they're all doing what I was just doing. I'm just checking my phone or just doing my candy crush uh, until... The, the moment I'm I'm required. Um, so maybe we need to take a bit of a breath and think. Uh, what what does it mean to me? And how do I how do I how do I listen? Not how do I speak, but how do I listen? I suppose that would be the clever answer. If I could rewind to what you said at the start, would be how do I improve my listening? And how do I then? take out of it what's what's important and then re return return to you i suppose back to you i mean you you there you are um you you're you're creating this fantastic um way of players communicating communicating with clubs and clubs growing how do you feel it's changed or does it need to change uh i don't know if it needs to change because actually i think uh, especially over the last 12 months i think clubs have definitely stepped up their communication games, whether it's social media or, you know, I think, I think they've been really, really great in what they've put out. You know, people are putting out their challenges or the training stuff that they've been doing and, or just, you know, interacting with their own local community. So I don't think, I think it's actually changed over the last 12 months and I think it's changed for the better. But obviously there is gonna, there is so much more that clubs could be doing. What that entails, yeah, yeah. Well, so, what does that entail? Um, um, I don't know. Oh, 
Oh, I'll, I'll take my club, for example. My club has done very little in the way of communicating with anybody over the last 12 months. We'll have a Friday night Zoom call for the first six months. It will be the same 10 people on board every week. And now, you know, it's non-existent. And it's the same five people that have turned up to training on a Saturday morning. Mm. So, you know, there's definitely some improvements that I know that we could do. Like we've got, you know, we don't, there's, there's been no communication about training sessions or calling up people to find out what's going on there's been no very little social media stuff and i'm not trying to throw them under the bus because you know i, I love them to pieces but you know a club like ours isn't going to grow or even possibly survive if they've got if no one knows or hears from us or, or that type of thing uh, whereas on the opposite side of that there are some clubs that are doing amazing stuff that are whether it's just putting out posts every day or sending out, you know, news items to even, you know, even like websites like mine that send the news item and, you know, they're, they're just, they're keeping themselves in, you know, in relevance, I guess, I guess that's, I guess that's the word relevant. Mm. You know, sports clubs could have quite easily have disappeared over the last 12 months, but because of the, the, you know, the work that clubs have put in to keep themselves relevant, and interested and interactive, then it's you know, it's all it's all good it's all good things. I think the challenge within that is uh, that getting back to actually playing a game. Uh, mm. I, I mean, uh, training is fantastic and it's great, but really, you want to have the the excitement of travelling somewhere to play a game and playing a, re course, a, a yeah. relevant game. I, I think. Uh, what's going to happen is that clubs are going to find themselves in the wrong leagues because the same players aren't going to be this there again and you're going to have the 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 92 nils which sometimes you get i mean certainly in the women's game one of the one of the difficulties has been trying to get the but that balance right and that's been hard as challenges getting better and therefore um if you're at the on the end of one of those nobody really gains um nice. so this is going. There's going to be a. There's going to be a period of refinding your level. I mean, um, I, I've got to understand that the English rugby league um, is the largest in the world uh, in terms of the way that you can be right at the bottom, and you could work your way back up to the yeah. top. I mean, I know Richmond <laughs> did it. Did it the other way, and um, <laughs> uh, yeah. we. Well, London Welsh are doing it now. Yeah. And they've got themselves back back into um, back into contention. I certainly remember playing Richmond. Um, I played at Cranley Rugby Club um, when I was it's teaching. Just down, the, just down the way from where I am. Oh, right. Okay, which was brilliant. I, I was very, very lucky, but we we came up against Richmond, who were two seasons on the way back up, and um, I, it was a it was a great game. Uh, in some ways, uh, but it was very typical grassroots. We turned up with um, a mixture of A and B players because uh, there was a wedding that weekend, so uh, guys got to go to the wedding. And yeah. um, we came up against the Richmond. Some of them were still semi-pros. Um, there was an announcer. Uh, we were three nil ahead after about three minutes. Uh, I think I, I'd like to think I kicked the goal, um, and. Um, we lost 112-3 or something like that. And having an announcer saying, and that is the fourth try for Brian Smith, um, which makes the score 88-3, was um, 
was, you know, the, the way that sometimes these things work. I mean, having the announcer is probably the most painful, painful part of it. But I, I think that. But don't you think on that? Don't you think on that though? You know, you said the ninety-two nils, the things like that, those types of experiences, they live with you because you remember it. And well, yeah, you've, but you've got the most. The following week, I'm sure you were. Would you not think that you were? You know, you've just had to play. You've just played against the the almighty Richmond. You've learned a little. You know, you, you've got a hiding, but you know that these guys are just rugby players. Uh, you know that you know with that experience, and you'll be you'll be better for it. Is that not well, a? Yeah, thing I think that's think true. About? Yeah, I think. Um, Given at the time, what well, I was probably about 33, 34 at the time, and uh, I'd played enough rugby to know that that was that was the way things go. But I, for others, they may not have been able to reflect so well. So I think, Sean, that would be that would be the way that you'd hope everyone would be. But as I said earlier, I mean, your your team is made up of um, a whole m- uh, mishmash of people with different ideas, and some of them would have found that the, probably the worst experience of their life, and would be terrified to ever play rugby again so i'm not saying it's a bad it's ever going to be a bad thing that you're going to be on the end of that for everybody but it you'd want to play against teams where it's roughly it's roughly even Uh, and that's what the league system does um however i my guess is and if we reconvene this time next year it'll be it's interesting to see if we looked at the the league tables whether some sides were I mean, it, it happens happens all the time where one team in a league just uh, crumbles right from the start. Um, a couple of key players leave. I mean, certainly playing uh, in 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 Cranley was in Surrey one. It would be very much a case of if a couple of players from uh, a team were not there for a few weeks, then they wouldn't. They would be absolutely the shell of the side, and that was that's the way it is. I mean, to a certain extent, you could probably see that at international level a couple of key players can make i mean not a 30 point difference but they can make um make a significant difference i mean i expect there's t- players that um, eddie or warren would like to have out there um uh, every single time and others they can say well i've got we've got some depth in this on that then the six nations obviously the eddie stuck to his guns and stuck to his sort of tried and tested is that not a you know a reflection of what you just said there eddie wanted the people the the key players on the pitch even if they hadn't had the game time that he would have liked to have had the Owen Fowles, Maro Toji, the mm. Vinopolas, Elliot Daly they didn't have the game time that they would have had but he still needed to pick them because they were his his key guys rather than going to as you just said the depth. Well I mean uh, it's uh, ben Darwin, uh, who played for Australia back in the early 2000s, has done a yeah. lot of work on team cohesion. And um, he might argue that uh, if you bring in a lot of new players, even if they may be uh, on paper uh, doing better, this may break the cohesion of the team. Now, of course, the counter-argument is that with the, those players, they didn't look cohesive and it didn't work. So... Perhaps Eddie had that in his mind. I mean, the, the thing is that they've got an enormous amount of data with them. They've got a, an experienced coaching group. And to a certain extent, uh, Eddie's had a lot of success. So he must have had some form of plan. I mean, frankly, I wouldn't have 
picked the team that he picked. But I mean, that's one of the joys of international rugby. Everyone will pick a different team and there'll be plenty of speculation over uh, the Lions team. And I very much doubt that um, uh, the Lions team will be the best team in terms of the stats, in terms of the best player in their position. It's far more important for them to fit together as a group and play the style that um, uh, Warren Gatlin feels is going to, to win him the three matches against uh, the Springboks. And that that's, that's his call. And he's been successful in that. I wouldn't have picked his Lions team the previous time and the previous time before that, but he, it's, he was successful with it. And uh, he played a star, which I wouldn't have wanted to play. But again, he's got, um, got something he wants to do and a way he wants to uh, achieve it. And so that, that's great. I mean, would it be very boring if everyone said, this is exactly what it is and everyone agreed and it would take away some of the, uh, the the enjoyment of it. I mean, I suppose then uh, I'd, I'd like to get what your opinions because I can see you've got a couple of rugby shirts behind you in there. I saw yeah, that so the Lions. Mine, so so that's, uh, that's my rugby club there. Oh, no, where are we? There, there. I've got this mirrors. Uh, that's my rugby club, Ray Decker. Uh, we, yeah. we did a competition called the Smallest Club World Cup, which. Oh, yes, I remember that, yeah. Which was a load of. Uh, in the 2015 World Cup. So that's my shirt from that day. And then this one here. Uh, it was our club's 60th anniversary. Um, so we put a Barbarians team together and we called it the Philly Roots Barbarians. And we sold the, we sold all the shirts and gave all the money to St George's Hospital because uh, uh, one of our players at the time was in there with a broken back. And they looked after him forever, uh, for a long time. So, yeah, so they're, they're, they're my bits. Uh, on the Lions, I guess the... I think this time around, because it's going to be a smaller squad, is, does that come back to it's easier to to coach a, a 36-man squad rather than a 46-man squad, um, especially in the time frame that he's got? And you know he hasn't isn't going to have enough time to, you know, as you said, cohesion, get them all together properly. Is the smaller squad better for that, or would it would you have rather him take a bigger 46-man? I think a smaller squad is much better. I mean, uh, if you've got a lot of games, you need to have some depth on the tour. And it's uh, often the case that they have to bring players out. I mean, uh, it was it didn't do the Lions brand any good when uh, they had to bring players in who happened to be local. And yeah, Shane I Williams. I felt sorry for the... Pl- yeah. The geography well, no, I mean, yeah, it just didn't quite... Uh, didn't fit it, I the... think No, and I thought that was slightly unfortunate. And the... Uh, the attrition rate of tours means that you do need to take a big squad. Um, uh, just uh, the uh, listening to uh, the podcast that we've been doing on the final, uh, which is yeah, about yeah, the 2014 yeah, yeah. Uh, Women's World Cup final. Um, the England went out to play in a tournament in the US, and they had to. Uh, they didn't have. They changed their training because they didn't have enough props. Just in case if, if they lost one or two props, they would have to drop out of the tournament. Uh, so the, these are the considerations. I mean, I don't know if other coaches feel this, but I can remember watching games and spending most of my time uh, nervous of losing players because we were losing players all the time to injuries, and every single 
week we seemed to lose another player and it was awful it was a terrible feeling it made the made the game less enjoyable from a coaching point of view just because players were were, were getting injured and it, it's sad for them because you know when you get injured it's the trauma is not just the hurt of the the broken bone or the pulled muscle but it's the mental trauma of when will i when will i play again and you know how long will it take me to get back Doddy wear, Doddy wear on the tour in '97 when you when you see him being told that his his tour was over and you just yeah. see him just try and come to terms with that type of thing. Yeah, and uh, and that's and that's why players then are taken off the tour. I think there's uh, there was one uh, famous player, England player, uh, a, a guy called Bond, I think it was, who was um, was such a good tourist that uh, I think he broke his leg on the tour, but they kept him on the tour because he was. Uh, such such good value but i think generally uh uh then it's not good to have them around because then of course everybody feels sorry for them and then they've got to go so now the question i was going to ask you about the shirts was that i see that the lion shirt is um something like 105 pounds and uh, i just i i felt that was i think that's a bit of a kick in the teeth myself um i understand that uh revenue needs to be raised for it but I'll, yeah uh I, I, I just I can't, say I feel too much. That... I can't upset. I'm not allowed to upset Canterbury because we've got something no. lined up. Oh no no! But... Right. You want to cut that bit out? <laughs> um, <but I> mean... <laughs> we've got something lined up for the Lions tour, so I can't. I can't. I can't. Yeah. I, you know, and my yeah. My thing is with that is that there was a shirt in November out for Christmas that was still mm. 80, 90 quid, and it's still you know still on some websites. It's still it's still in that amount of money, and now something slightly different is you know it's got different detailing in which I, yeah and it's you know it's 105 pounds and yeah i just i don't you know i don't necessarily think that's canterbury's or the lion's fault i think that's i think that's the fault of uh commercialization in sport if you look mm. at a football shirt if you look at a chelsea football shirt these days there are there are four different there are four shirts and there are four uh three different editions of each shirt There'll be a stadium edition, which is the casual, cheaper replica. Mm. Then there'll be the match fit, which is slightly tighter, giving mm. you that sort of match fit. And then there'll be authentic, which will be 120 quid for a shirt, and that's the one that the players wear. So I don't, I don't you know, I don't think it, this is, you know, it's not a fault of of Canterbury or or, or or the Lions themselves. It's just, I think, it's just a commercialisation of sport. It's got to that point now. You know, my kids, my kids have got. You know, my kids are Chelsea fans for for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> but there's 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 four there's four there's four Chelsea kits this year. So if you were to buy all of them, that's almost four hundred quid a shirt. Mm. Yeah. So well, I mean, my, I, I, and and don't I, forget the Lions is the cash cow. Lions, mm. uh, maybe not this time around because of of. Um, because of the, the tour maybe not necessarily being what it should be or, or could have been. But, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I think it's just the commercialisation of professional sport, more, mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah, I, I think um, I think you're right. And I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not being screamish about the fact that uh, it has to turn a, turn some money to, in order to uh, provide money in, in else, elsewhere. Uh, but I, I think probably go back to something that you said earlier on. Um, 
cash is is helpful but really what makes rugby clubs is the individuals within it because Definitely. they're the one who drive drive things forward i i'm very lucky in the role i've got is that i i'm able to talk to lots of coaches from lots of clubs and they're incredible what what they do unpaid volunteers uh, and they are saying well we're doing this we're doing that and we're creating this and you can see they've got lots and lots of teams lots of coaches lots of players and it's done because they've got a genuine love for the game and they will be sitting at their computer probably this morning doing a database in order to make sure that uh, everything is right for tomorrow and uh, they'll be checking people on them first aid and all those sorts of things and that is the difference um, and yes uh, cash is important but if you gave them a hundred pounds to do it or a hundred pounds a week um, I mean of course they wouldn't say no to it uh, but it wouldn't be the reason why they, they did it and Sport is a lot about um, what I think sometimes we call the plumbers, the people who fix the stuff um, underneath the underneath these floors, uh, behind the walls, which all the unseen work, which makes sure that at the front we get running water or we get teams on the pitch. And if if you can get 15 players out every Saturday or get 12 players out every Sunday morning, that is that is the thing that uh, should be remembered. I mean, if you can coach them as well, brilliant. Uh, but <laughs> I think we've all been there. When uh, we're on the phone, are you going to be there? What is it this morning? Is it and uh, or have you checked in with this person? Uh, I mean, the, I mean, these days WhatsApp saves a hell of a lot of uh, problems, and of course, there's uh, lots of very good. Um, apps to team to run teams as well which which make it a lot easier but you still got to try and persuade those i mean you're going to have your core lot who are going to be there right at the start and they're going to be rushing around and that sort of thing but it's the 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 one or two players who end up having to play wing uh for this week well i'm on the wing again on a november uh <laughs> oh, no, no, it's brilliant yeah we'll pass you the ball uh once uh in in the match and um, it uh i've got to play prop again I mean, I yeah. love used to love the games. I used to, um, when I was at university, come back at the weekend, uh, ring up um, uh, a brilliant guy called Adam Brooks, who was exactly that sort of guy. There's two guys. There was a guy called Martin Boot, another guy called Adam Brooks, and they were the ultimate fixers in terms of getting teams out. And uh, I never knew what position I was going to play when I until I arrived, and uh, I would sort of wait with bated breath as what uh, shirt I would. Uh, putting on i mean i didn't they didn't put me in the front row thankfully uh, but i played pretty much every other position and it was brilliant and i i loved it and it was the best some of the best experiences i had uh were turning up uh meeting people i'd not seen since last week because i'd been away at university and uh dan you're going to be playing this week you're going to be uh, outside center and it'd be great excellent i'd love to wear that fit i mean the wonder the, the great thing of seeing your number and putting your number on is one of them the great joys of rugby so it's nearly uh 20 years since i played my last game and i just suddenly think i would be nice just to pull on a shirt with a number on and think today i'm this position do it do it do it <laughs> no, no, I, no i can't do it i break a long time it's questions for me that uh... Just a couple more, because I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, if, if we were to give a, a rugby club a, a blank piece of paper and say, look, this is 
what what would be the one thing you tell them to focus on now that we're coming out of, of lockdowns? Um, well, I would try and get it in, put it in the right language, but um, I think you've got to have a sh what we might call um, a shared mental model or a shared game model, which means that everybody has an understanding of where where you're going to go, shares the right the same language. So when you say we're going to be doing this, everyone says I know why I'm doing this. So. Uh, for instance, some of the things we've been talking about is just getting uh, players on the pitch. Now, uh, what does that look like? How are we going to do that? If everyone is focused on that, then you get that done. And then you say, right, now we've got them on the pitch. Let's let's create some plays around that. Uh, so, okay, what do they look like? So, it's I would say on the blank piece of paper is write down the things that everybody agrees on and then stick to them. And then keep coming back to them. So why did we make that decision? Does that help us put players on the pitch if that's what we want to do, first of all? Does that help us develop uh, the coaches that we want to develop? And then when you're um, breaking it down into the sort of component parts from a coaching point of view, um, right, this week we're going to concentrate on uh, tackling and passing. Okay, so what, what does that look like? What do the players need to do to do that? And what are you trying to achieve? By the end of it and you might say well we're trying to um, create this sort of team and then you can check off every single time because otherwise you you can make quite easily make 60 decisions which could be great decisions but they um, they, they cross uh, they cross against each other some cancel out uh, much better to make three or four decisions which everybody is on board with or roughly on board with I mean you're not going to get everyone to agree I mean there's no such thing as um, a team of 15 players who agree on the way to, to play the game. Um, and um, more boring it would be if that was the case. Absolutely. So there we are. That's uh, That was, I would say, the blank piece of paper, um, shared language, shared goals. Lovely. Uh, so finally, uh, the, the one question that we ask every, every person that comes on the show is for one hope and one fear. For, for either yourself or, or the sport in, um, over the next 12 months? Okay, so <laughs> I mean, apart from my hope that I get to single figures uh, golf handicap, I think <laughs> um, uh, what, what I would hope is that um, rugby continues to be positive and there's always a great danger that uh, it can become uh negative people argue about I mean the Lions tour I'm not looking forward to the parts where people argue over selection uh, or argue over the referees decisions just remember that it's a game that um, there's another game next week now the problem with the Lions tour it's 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 every four years so there's there's a finality about it so when we come to the last test there won't be another test for that group of players um, ever again um, but in rugby terms, most players will have a game next week. And that's uh, so there's no point in getting too worried about this week. Just move on to move on to next week. So my hope is that we keep we keep sports positive. Games are games. Um, they, they have some importance. They, they do define us to a certain extent. But let's not get let, let's in, let's enjoy the competition. Let's let's play to win but put winning in the right context and winning shouldn't be uh, dark days hidden away 
um, and you know that does that does happen. And um, there's a lot of lot of very important stuff to be done about mental health, and we've got to try and remove that sort of dark days type attitude and say, right, okay, we learnt this week ninety two nil, not not a good such a good week for us. Let's try and keep it down uh, to um, under fifty next week. So that's my hope. Um, I suppose that uh, sort of catches up with my fear. Really, is that um, sports not seen as uh, sports seen as a way out or as a, as a great panacea? And it's not. It's just just another part of our lives. It's, it's great, but it's not the be all and end all. Uh, the be all and end all is uh, is there's, there's no there maybe is a greater power above us which is just going to tell us what we should be doing and um, that that would be interesting to explore in maybe a different sort of podcast but it is it it matters but it doesn't matter that much lots of other things matter so my, my fear is that people are going to say well the way out is sport and everyone should be no it it is it's great and the fact that we're enjoying having a um, talk, having this chat here is exactly what sport should be about, but and of course this is uh, this is going to define my weekend because it's the most important part of my weekend. Sean, thank you very much for inviting of me on. It is. But of it course, is yeah. uh, it it's going to be one part of um, I guess a fun-filled weekend. You see my first shot on the tee at one uh, thirty today, and that could be fun-filled or uh, wrapping <laughs> up around somebody. It's um, it, it's just we've just got to put things in uh, in their right context. So, yeah, my fear is that people will make it uh, something something fantastic and then be constantly disappointed when, in fact, you know, just take little bits of enjoyment out as, as we go along and, uh, and uh, you know, take a, take a step at a time and all those sorts of things that people often say. But it, it's, it's great, but it's not everything. Oh, look, that's a perfect way to end. So, uh, Dan, uh, I really appreciate you giving up your Saturday morning to, to come and chat to me. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll meet up in person and have a beer in person one yeah, day, definitely. hopefully very soon, and we can uh, continue to put the rugby world to rights. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I've, I've absolutely loved the last last 45 minutes. It's absolutely been an absolute pleasure. So, thank you very much. Oh, thanks, Sean. Thanks very much for the opportunity. And uh, I think... Um, I mean, all the things that you're doing and the ideas behind it is uh, is part of what we were talking about in terms of getting the, uh, the players onto the pitch. And uh, for me, that's that's absolutely the most important thing. The coaching bit's the bonus. Lovely. Well, uh, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. And we'll, uh, we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Huge thanks to Dan for joining me on the show. And a massive thanks to new pod sponsor, The Swan Rooms, at Staines RFC. Staines train four, for ages 4 to 14 every Sunday between 10 and 12. The men's and women's train on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Contact info at stainesrugby.com for all the information. And we thank Rugby Store for once again supporting our show. Get 10% off when you use the promo code FYBPOD at the checkout. Head to rugbystore.co.uk now. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next time.